0: I will be reading today's scripture. We will be reading Isaiah 52, verses 7 through 10. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Listen, your watchmen lift up their voices. Together they shout for joy. When the Lord returns to Zion, they will see it with their own eyes. Burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. Thank you, Izzy. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. If there's good news and bad news, what would you like to hear first? Who likes hearing good news first? Okay. Who here likes hearing good news second? Okay, yeah. So more of us like to hear good news afterwards. Because you want to hear the bad news and then you want to feel good afterwards, right? With with a little bit of good news, right? Whereas the other way, you know. Whereas I think I'm the character or personality where Good news? Sure, yeah, yeah, whatever. Let me hear the bad news, so I could deal with it kind of thing, right? So I'm, I'm one of those people. Uh, depending And depending on the news you hear, you could imagine how beautiful that person who brings that news to you. A new job, a new car, a, a new child is born. And whoever shares that good news with you and depending on how good that news is, uh, is more beautiful depending on the news. And The question, then, is the good news of Jesus actually good news to those who hear about it? How do we share the good news of Jesus in a world that doesn't seem to think his news is even good? Why do we keep sowing seeds of good news in a world that doesn't care to hear about Jesus? One thing for sure, it's not that there's any lack of hearing the news, I mean, did Paul think when he quoted this passage that we would be in an age where more than half the world's population has access to the Internet? I mean, if it was just about getting the news out there, it's pretty easy, right? I mean, I could tweet about it. I could, you know, put something on Facebook about Jesus. It's not that there is a lack of hearing about Jesus. And yes, there are parts of the world where they may still have not heard who Jesus was. But for more than 50% of the world's population, really, it's a search in their Google search box to hear about Jesus. It's not that there's lack of information about Jesus. That's the problem these days. So... What makes the message of Jesus good to those who hear it versus just what we think is good? Another word for good news is the word gospel. It's the churchy word that we use to basically say good news. It's the same word. So what is the gospel? There's a writer and a pastor named David Fitch in his book called Prodigal Christianity. He talks about how we have a very narrowed sense of what the gospel is. He talks about the life of Martin Luther, um, not King, Martin Luther, from the 1500s, who lived in a world and in a context where everyone was Christian, or back then would have been Catholic. And during that time, there was a strong sense of this justice of God and how God is seeking out to punish people of their sin and of their unrighteousness. There was... the like the sense that most of the European Christianity was trained with this idea of a penitential system of the, in the church where they would confess, then there would be penance, and then there would be absolution. And it was a way of dealing with sin and guilt that people felt. And Martin Luther, who grew up as a Roman Catholic priest, tried to live within this context where he wanted to live a holy life, but would feel this overwhelming sense of burden from his sin and the guilt of sin that he was facing. And yet, and he was a holy man. He lived, tried to live a holy life, yet he had this sense of guilt that wouldn't go away. Yet, as he was studying the Bible and reading through Romans, he came to realize that that we aren't justified by works, but rather by faith alone through grace and this started this movement that we are part of now called the Reformation. And it was a great movement in many ways because it got rid of some of the traditions and, and, and ideas about faith that, that uh, wasn't what the Bible wanted um, and what the Bible said. And we are part of that byproduct as Baptists. We're part of that tradition of the Reformation So this part of the gospel of justification by faith alone is part of our history and part of who we are. Yet we live in a world today where not everyone is a Christian, nor do we have any kind of same basis of faith to talk about. Nor do people feel worried about their guilt or shame. They're not going around saying, what's going to happen to me? Am I going to hell when I die? Really, people don't even have that kind of concept in their minds. So although Luther's understanding was good news in their context, it isn't heard the same way now as people don't have that same common language or understanding to start with. So what David Fitch proposes, which I agree with, is a more fuller understanding of the good news or the gospel. The good news of Jesus is more than dealing with our our sins and figuring out where we go when we die. The good news of Jesus is that God has come in the person of Jesus to bring about God's kingdom, breaking into our world and into people's lives. This Jesus is making all things new where relationships are rearranged, where brokenness is being healed, where evil structures are being brought down, where Jesus conquers the addiction of sin, whether it's chemical or relational, and where Jesus is at, the wor- is at work in the darkest places of our world. Because God has already been to those places on the cross it is more than a transactional deal we make with Jesus so that we could get into heaven, but rather it's the fullness of life as we participate in God's reconciliation of the whole world as we love God and love others. And we see this kind of good news in our Isaiah passage. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who says in Zion, your God reigns. Interestingly, this good tidings, you know, back before news was a commodity, where news was consumed and news was a thing, was that people would bring good tidings and not news. News. Because people would have to travel. Travelers would come, uh, or visitors from other parts of uh, a city or or a country, and they would come to your town and share good tidings. And And it was relational. It was something about their past, something that they've experienced or witnessed that they would share with others, and hence it was good tidings. And so when this new kingdom breaks in, when it arrives, the good news is that God will establish a new king. In the midst of their exile and occupation by the foreign government, Isaiah speaks about God who will establish a kingdom that will lead to peace and salvation. When the Lord returns to Zion, they will see it with their own eyes. Burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. Jerusalem. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations and all the the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. When the Lord returns to Zion, he will comfort his people and will redeem them. His kingdom will not be limited to the people of Israel, but all nations will experience the salvation of God. This is why we sow seeds of good news, because God is the one who is making all things new. We, in our communion and relationship with God, join God in his work that is already happening to bring all things under his rule, which means peace, reconciliation, and the fullness of life. Yes, sins will be forgiven, but God's kingdom is much more than that. It's much more than just about that. Fitch tells a story about a congregant who worked at Starbucks. And while he was working there, this man was praying that God will show him his kingdom at his work. What does it mean for his kingdom to be working within Starbucks? And while he was working there for a few years, one of his coworkers asked to to speak with him. And she was just in a very bad place, in a very hard place because of all the things that was going wrong in her life. Um... Her boyfriend had left her. Her parents were getting a divorce, and she was rejected from her uh, graduate program that program she entered into, and or she applied for. And she felt as though she had nothing to live for. And so this person felt like, oh, what an opportunity for him to share the gospel, right? But really, is it the time to try to convert someone to Jesus to say? You know what it is? There's so much sin in your life. You need to repent and turn to Jesus and all will be right. Obviously, that's not the right way to do it. No, it's not like telling someone who doesn't know how to swim while they are drowning that they are doing it wrong. You're not trying to teach them how to do a backstroke while someone is driving. What do you do? You lend a hand. You help them out of the water. You save them. You comfort them. You don't tell them why they do not know how to swim while they're drowning. You you are there to to save them in some sense, just to support them as as they're drowning, right? Fitch has a great way to describe how we are to be, which is how Jesus came to be with us. And he calls it humble witness. We enter into relationships not to convert people, but to seek to live with them alongside them, caring and loving them, long enough that our lives would be a witness of what a life lived in communion with Jesus is like. I love this line by him. He says, we do not communicate the gospel until we have learned how or have the right opportunity to say it in a way that it can be received as good news. It's not good news unless they receive or perceive it as good news by the person who receives it. When we are witnesses to God's what God has done in our lives, we're not trying to convince them that they are wrong, that they are sinners. We come alongside them, and when given the opportunity to share what God has done in our lives, we share that gift of Jesus with others because he has been a gift to us. So this Christmas morning, we come together to celebrate that God has come in the person of Jesus to be with us. He is the one that has come, not us. He is the one that is already working in our world, bringing all things back to himself. The question isn't is then how do we share the good news of Jesus, but rather, rather, how do we look for places in which Jesus is already bringing his good news? And how do we join him in that? The question that we need to ask ourselves is what might God be doing already at our workplaces? What might God be doing in the lives of our neighbors? How do we join him alongside him and others by being witnesses to the goodness of God that is germinating and bursting forth in this world? Boys and girls, are you done yet? Yeah? Do you want to come up and show me what you've made? And while they're doing that, adults, if we're going to pass a piece of paper around, or everyone's going to get a piece of paper with a pencil, and you're going to write down how Jesus has been a gift to you. And then what we'll do is we'll put, and, and then the kids will come up, show me your boxes, and then they will collect your, your gift Uh, your piece of paper, and then we'll put it by the tree. All right, let's see these gift boxes you've made. Wow, that's pretty good. Can I see? All right, who here uh, got some help? Yeah, Yeah. this is fine. You helped them, which is fine. You know what, sometimes we need help, right? We can't always make our gifts by ourselves. But, oh, they're awesome. So, did anyone have any... um, Oh, Miles, that's great. Did you have any um, words or pictures you drew about how Jesus is a gift to you? No? It's okay. For me, Jesus is a gift to me because of how I have uh, purpose and direction in life. And I feel like whenever... Um, I feel like I'm alone. I know that Jesus is always with me and he cares for me. So what we're going to do now is take your boxes and you're going to go around and and collect what other adults have wrote down about how Jesus is a gift to them. So what we'll do is as uh, adults write their uh, pieces on their pieces of paper, then you'll collect them and then you'll bring them back up here and we'll put it under the Christmas tree. All right, and then we'll pray together. Oh, here's one drawing by Miles. Is that supposed to be like where Jesus was born, maybe? Or is that where you are? Yeah. Maybe both. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, because Jesus is always with you, right, Miles? Here, that's great. Do you want to fold it and put it in the gift box? Yeah, here, I'll let you do that. All right, boys and girls, go and collect these gifts that adults have written down. You could just go to the aisles and grab, grab them. Maybe get one, at least one each, so every child has one. Here, Miles, that's yours. Perfect. Yeah, and you put it there. Great. Pencils, yeah. You could the pencils. Oh, you. uh, (laughs) You want me to write one too? Yeah, of course, of course. Yes. Okay. Yeah, bring it. Oh, we gotta. We wanna put it in there, folded, and you could put it in the box. Boys and girls, you can stay here, and what we'll do is, once we have it all here, we'll, we'll pray together to thank God, thank Jesus for the gifts he's given us. Awesome. Look at all these gifts that we're giving to Jesus. Well, boys and girls, did you know that you are also a gift to us from Jesus? Just who you are, your energy, your smiles and laughter, and how you are uh, now, but also how you grow when we see you growing up. It's so special for us, and we love having you here with us this morning and always. So, so that is also a gift for us. So why don't we pray together, and then we'll continue. Jesus, thank you that you are a God who loves us and wants to Give us gifts. Um, and we thank you for your, your presence with us, Jesus, that you want to be with us, and so you've come. So we celebrate this morning your love for us and your gift to us. And uh, as we receive those gifts uh, into our lives, we want to share it uh, with others, but we also want to give that back to you. So thank you, and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.